Hello, and welcome back to Dinner at Yiffenies with your host, Takeham Ironhoof. For tonight's episode, we follow Keat, who receives a package in the mail from one of his patrons. It turns out to be something he wasn't expecting, yet leads to an interesting and enjoyable situation. Speaking of patrons, did you know that we have a Patreon? Just by listening to our episodes, you're showing an enormous amount of support. But if you would like to show even more support, we have four different tiers to choose from. Starting at the $5 tier, you'll receive an exclusive Dinner at Yiffany sticker, and at our top tier, you will also receive an even more exclusive t-shirt. All proceeds will be going towards paying for the podcast expenses, including paying voice actors and authors for their contributions. And at the end of the year, should we have any funds remaining, Patreon members will be able to vote on what charity we donate to. With that, sit back, relax, and drift off into another world of furry fiction and erotica. A Magical Experience by Foxbird It's finally finished! Keat said with equal parts sigh and excitement. The fox slowly walked around the table on his hind legs, looking at a box that was just over five feet tall. The dark blue painted wood had several iron bands wrapped around it, and a set of hinges where there was a door in front. Also painted on the box were several mysterious symbols in yellow paint, typical of magical tropes like crescent moons, stars, and other things of that nature. Audiences ate it up when they came to watch his shows. I'm pretty sure this vanishing cabinet will be the next big thing for my show, he said, finally having decided all the details were in place. Falling back down to all fours, he stretches out on the ground, first his forelegs out, rump in the air, and then stepping forward to alternate the stretch for his hind legs. Quadrupedal foxes such as him were capable of balancing on their back paws with enough practice, but the muscles weren't meant to take long periods of that sort of arrangement. Fortunately, Keat had gotten good at the posture over the years of practicing stage magic, but that didn't mean a nice proper four-legged stretch wasn't welcome every so often. He turned around in the relatively large workshop in which he was currently working, taking stock of his surroundings. He had made quite a mess this time. Carpenter tools were on various tables, pulled down off their shelves, books and references were scattered about, and even screws and nails were in various piles. What was more interesting were the paints and pigments that seemed to glow slightly, crystals that hummed, and various bits of powder that seemed to tremble in their piles. That was his true craft, magic. Not the stage magic that he used to fool people and bring in money, but actual spells and incantations. It was a rare gift for creatures to have talent in and one he generally kept under wraps. It wasn't wise to let the government or other agencies become aware. Hiding his actual magic inside an act was a stroke of pure genius. It allowed him to practice and refine his art while also getting smiles from his patrons. The only downside is that the magic needed a good premise. A mechanical contraption, clockwork, or just old-fashioned misdirection usually worked. It just required a lot of time to build the props. The Volpine had been at this particular trick for at least a month now, and his other duties had fallen by the wayside. 
Stacks of mail and some packages were piled up on a side table unopened. There were likely invitations to various private engagements around town, as well as the more mundane bills and collections in that stack as well. Now that his attention wasn't focused on the work at Paw, he glanced at the pile of mail as if seeing it for the first time. Balanced in the middle of the stack was a brown paper wrapped package tied up with a few twists of twine. Padding over, he saw that the package had his workshop address on it, but no return address. Not uncommon for regular mail, but packages were usually things people didn't want to go missing. I wonder when this guy here, he mused, leaning his muzzle over the package and giving it a good sniff. His nose picked up the various scents of mail handlers, a lion of some kind was the most recent, and then he could smell a few other creatures as well, perhaps even a coyote. Underneath that, though, he could smell a bit of cinnamon, a rare spice in this part of the world, and one of his favorites mostly because it could mask his scent when he needed to be in public, but also because he had a fondness for sweets and pastry. Picking up the package in his muzzle, letting the rest of the letters topple to the table, he padded over to the one lounging chair in the workshop and used a paw to shuffle off the various papers and things to the floor. Setting the package down in the chair, he hopped up and stretched out on the comfortable red fabric. Setting his forepaws on the edge of the paper, he grabbed the twine and pulled. It took a few tugs, but the string slid away, letting the flaps of paper fall open slightly. With the scent of cinnamon growing stronger, his tail swished back and forth behind him along the cushions. Nosing open the package, his muzzle parted in a smile. There was a piece of folded paper on top, sealed with a dollop of red wax and a stylized letter D. Underneath was a pair of black pants, black in color, with a hint of red inside the waistband. They were folded well, but the trip had jostled them enough that he could see the taper to the legs and the wider waist. They were just baggy enough in all the right places that they could perhaps work for a quadruped such as himself. You sly dog, you... The fox mused to himself. I thought you weren't going to be able to get these for several more months. He pushed the letter off to the side and grabbed the pants by the waist and shook them out over the edge of the chase lounge. The clothing billowed out a bit as it was shaken free, resuming its intended shape. There were a few creases in it, but they looked to be ironed into the fabric itself. A few silver buttons adorned the waist, one near the front and another that looked to be a clasp that would go just above his tail. You always do think of everything. Running a paw along the fabric, he marveled at how smooth and pleasant it felt. It was the same fabric that his vest and shirt were made from, but newer. The vest had all kinds of pockets in it. In stage magic, one could never have enough pockets. The pants had a few pockets but not nearly as many as the vest did. The interior of the pants also had a softer red fabric sewn inside. Silk? He asked, running a paw over the interior fabric, his paw gliding smoothly over it. I told you not to splurge. I can't afford that kind of luxury. 
Not wanting to let it sit any longer, he carefully shifted around so that his hind legs were positioned inside the top of the waistband and then slipped them inside. Once he was sitting up on the edge of the chase, he grabbed the pants in his paws and hopped off the edge, landing on his hind paws with a slight wobble. Carefully tugging the pants up to his waist, the legs slid up to just below the top of his natural socks. Manipulating his toes, he fit the button on the waist through the hole, holding them in place. He let out a bit of a shiver as the smooth silk fabric settled down onto his fur. It felt slightly cooler than his workshop and almost like there was a bit of a breeze. I wasn't expecting that, he said with a smile, his tail swishing behind him. Twisting his upper body around, he let his rump settle back into the chase and grabbed the small strip of fabric meant to clasp above his tail. He folded it over and then manipulated the button again so that it set itself into its little niche. Now that everything was in place, he smiled and swished his tail some more, just marveling at the feeling. Standing on his back paws again, he quickly shuffled over to the armoire and pulled it open. Putting his paws through one of the vests hanging inside, he quickly shuffled it over his shoulders and tugged it around his chest. He buttoned three of the four buttons on the garment before reaching up with his muzzle and flipping a top hat off the shelf. It toppled over once and then landed neatly on his head, his ears popping through the holes. He used to do that with a spell, but his sleight of paws these days was good enough that he could make that work without thinking. Padding over to the full-length body mirror he had next to the door, he stood and admired the look. Normally, he didn't appreciate clothes, like most quadrupeds in the city, but the taller bipedal creatures seemed to encourage, and in some cases require, what they call decency. Because of that, a number of top-tier fashion houses had sprung up around the country, catering various styles to both four- and two-legged creatures. Since Keat was in the entertainment business, standing up on stage on two legs for several hours, he decided to cater to the whims of society and dress up in at least a shirt and vest. The willingness to dress had gotten him some bonus points, but there were still some snooty people that didn't like to look at a fox's balls and sheath hanging out there in his fur. The white fur was thick enough that only a vague outline showed what was there, but it was enough to bother some people. And the fox had to admit, there were certain times of the year when pheromones from some of the less well-to-do patrons would waft up onto the stage. He learned early on to point some fans into the audience to keep that from happening. Once or twice, a bit of red poked out of his sheath, and he had to use some actual magic to hide it. His performance were carefully choreographed, and he hated having to improvise like that. As he finished admiring his new outfit, he padded back over to the chase lounge, sprawling out again in his four-legged glory. The fabric adapted to either shape well. He was glad that his friend had managed such an amazing feat. Picking up the letter, he slips a claw under the seal and snaps it neatly in half, a soft sparkle of magic trickling out as the seal was broken. He chuckled a bit at that. The coyote was certainly skilled in her craft. Dearest Fox, Keat read aloud to no one in particular. I'm happy to inform you that I've completed the pants you had requested of me the last time you were in town. It took a lot of effort to source the materials for this particular garment, but I believe you'll find it was certainly worth the effort. The fox ran a paw down his left back leg, grinning. 
Worry not about the extra cost associated with the materials. You can make it up to my husband and I the next time you journey north. Have fun exploring the features of my craft. I eagerly await your appraisal. Your continued fan and patron, Violet Devereaux. He carefully folded the letter back up and set it down on the edge of the couch. Make it up to you, he mused, his tail flicking slightly to the side. I've already told you that I don't mix business and pleasure, but my do you do amazing things when you want something. The fox chuckled as he recalled the last time he ran into the coyote. She was sitting front row at one of his shows, her husband sitting next to her, dressed in elegant finery and a lavish looking hat. She had been watching him quite raptly, almost like she was aware of his every act and trick. They were bipeds, so their stares were a little unnerving. He would certainly have to give her a show to impress her, so he changed his act midstream and performed some more off-the-cuff magic. Close-up stuff with cards, rings, and other small objects that could disappear. She liked the specific attention so much that her husband had asked him to come over to their estate for a private show. Private shows were a lucrative portion of his work. The theater performance were the bread and butter that paid the bills. But the personal appearances and small parties for nobles and royalty were what really paid. So he didn't turn down the opportunity when it was invited. They were kidding about a private performance though. It was only the two of them and they had paid handsomely for the evening. It got a little awkward halfway through the evening when she had propositioned him in the middle of the act. The phrase, I'll show you where you can hide that wand, had been uttered. She was pretty, and he certainly would have appreciated a brief romp with her. But she was also married, and it bothered the fox a little bit that her husband didn't even seem to mind. After a polite rain check, he ended the performance a little early and they were able to have several pleasant discussions. That's where he learned of her talent in garment making, and also that she too was a mage of some talent. It was clear that despite the strange turn the evening had taken earlier, that they would become good friends, and that was several years ago. Ah, Mrs. Devereaux, I'm pretty sure you were meant to be a fox, he mused, leaning back against the couch as he looked up at the ceiling. Coyotes were great tricksters as well, but foxes had their own reputations in certain parts of the kingdom. The fox's stomach growled lightly, and he realized that he hadn't eaten dinner yet. The workshop was starting to get cold, so it was likely getting late. If he hurried, he'd be able to get to a pub down the road and have a bite to eat. He stood up on his hind paws again and shook out his fur, helping it settle down behind the various layers of fabric. Just as he reached out to grab the cane that doubled as his magic wand, he felt something strange. It was a light feeling at first, like a paw had brushed against the inside of his right leg. He looked down at his paws, scanning around him to see if perhaps something had brushed against his leg, but he didn't see anything but fabric. A moment later, he felt it again, but this time, it wasn't just a brush. It was a deliberate touch, a warm paw, contrasting the coolness he'd felt against his fur, had gently palmed his balls. It was only a second or two, but it had certainly been a paw, he was sure of it. 
He circled around again, dropping back to all fours as he searched for this phantom paw. Keith had read of mages that could manipulate things from afar, but it required an unbroken visual line between the mage and the object. And the pants were certainly going to block that. Besides, there was no one in the room aside from himself. Sitting back down on the edge of the chase, he pulled the pants forward, looking down inside to make sure the tricky coyote hadn't managed to slip something into the fabric. He even ran a paw down inside the pants, feeling about at the fabric. Aside from the cool touch, he couldn't feel anything amiss. Perhaps his mind was just playing tricks on him again. Long days and nights in the workshop and a lack of food? That'd do it, he'd reasoned. As he pulled his paw from the pants, he stood up on his hind paws again and immediately felt something he was sure wasn't just his mind. Something warm, wet, and smooth had pressed against the tip of his sheath, pushing just inside of it. Instead of retreating, though, he felt what he could only describe as a tongue linger at the entrance to his sheath, a hot breath washing over the fur and skin there. Falling back over onto all four paws, he pushed his forepaw down inside the pants again, feeling about to see what was going on, but where his chest ended and his stomach began, he felt something odd. Instead of finding his waist and sheath, he found a stretchy sort of fabric line, almost as if there was a bit of elastic keeping his paw from pressing further. He moved it about a little, but his paw couldn't press down below it. Pulling his paw from his pants, he started to pad along his stomach and crotch, feeling around. There was a soft, plush feeling, like fur, in the vague shape of his body, but the touch was muted and distant. What, what the hell? He asked. Turning around again as he tried to figure out what was happening, the tongue and warm breath continued to wash over his sheath, the tickling sort of sensation causing the flesh inside to firm up, the tip poking out and brushing against the tongue waiting for it. Like the rest of his four-legged vulpine brethren, he had a bone inside his penis, keeping it always erect. Evolution had made it so that as the fox got excited, he'd grow out of his sheath and plump up, much like his two-legged cousins. Keat was trying to figure out exactly how to get out of this situation, his paw roaming about his lower body, looking for some sort of way to pull the fabric away, but he wasn't coming up with much. Meanwhile, what, or more likely who, ever was doing this, had decided to press their muzzle around the tip of his pointed shaft. It made the fox tremble, pausing in his groping as he let out a soft gasp. A muzzle pressed downwards along his shaft, peeling his sheath back and pulling it for one constricting comfortable home and into one that was a little more open. He could feel the soft pricks of teeth against the opening to his sheath, and the muzzle could easily accommodate his modest length. Even the tongue was slightly smooth, with few rasps and a flat texture. Ah, it, he muttered to himself trying to get his mind to focus more on the problem at hand and less on the pleasure that was starting to ramp up. 
Using his mental training, he started to think of things other than the warm muzzle wrapped around his cock. It wasn't easy, but he had a problem to solve. He had suspicions as to who was doing this, very good ones in fact. But that wasn't the problem. How was he going to get himself out of this? Spells only work so well without a specific target, and he was reluctant to cast on such a sensitive part of his body. Pondering this didn't stop the attentions of his skillful partner, though. Now that his shaft was fully enveloped in their muzzle, their tongue pressed up against the underside, slowly stroking from base to tip in several slow motions. And if that wasn't bad enough, once the muzzle started to suckle on his tapered member, he nearly fell over. Oh, oh gods, he muttered to himself. The fox humped at the air a few times, his mind unable to stop his natural reactions. He didn't realize it at the time, but the motions didn't even move his shaft at all. It remained exactly where it was inside the muzzle, totally at the mercy of the creature on the other side of the spell. Sitting down on his haunches, he reached a paw down and tried to rub at his cock through the fabric of the pants, wanting to speed things up a little. It didn't seem like anyone was here and his unconscious mind figured that was a good way to move things along. Like before, his paw clutched at nothing, not even his sheath, as he tried rubbing his lower abdomen. As the muzzle pulled off of his shaft, the fox shivered, the flesh having engorged from all the attention. It had grown another inch or so and was now rock hard, the flesh at the base of his shaft just starting to form his knot inside his sheath. The flesh now exposed to the cooler air twitched, wanting to sink back into the warmth of the muzzle that had so recently held it. Pressing his paw against the fabric again, he tried humping against it and still couldn't feel anything. Oh, shit, he muttered, quickly pulling his paw up and sinking it back into his pants again. Feeling around, nothing had changed. He couldn't get to his shaft with his paw, and this was going to get maddening. Come on, that's so not fair. Keith whined, still trying to hump at the air. A minute or so passed, his shaft continuing to bob about in a place where he couldn't touch it. It gave him a chance to think about his predicament with a slightly clearer mind. But he couldn't come up with anything immediate. And he'd probably have to go visit Violet in her home. Hopefully she didn't plan on teasing him the whole way. Just as he was about to give up and go arrange for a carriage to take him north, he felt a different sensation. This one somewhat more broad and less focused on his shaft. At first, it seemed like someone was just getting near to his legs and lower stomach. A sort of tickle to all his fur. He couldn't quite place it. It didn't take him long to find out what he was missing when the pointed tip of his shaft pressed up against something warm and wet. It didn't feel like a muzzle this time, as there was resistance, lips of some kind. The moment his mind recognized the feeling of mounting someone, he felt their rump press against his hips, his shaft sinking just an inch into someone's depths. Keat moaned out loud, glad this workshop had decent insulation from his neighbors. A soft yip escaped his muzzle as he felt the wall sliding down his shaft, 
much too slowly for his own liking. He tried jabbing his hips forward, wanting to quickly sink his cock into the waiting pussy he could feel beneath him. But nothing happened. Damn it! He cursed, his would-be growl turning into a whine of frustration. Get on with it, you tease! Slow and steady was the way of the evening, though. He was forced to feel each inch of his cock slip slowly into the warmth of someone else's body, one centimeter at a time. Biting his lip, he growled a bit to himself, not sure how to process this. He was used to being in charge, even if that action was to give it away to someone else. At least it was his decision, and this wasn't. After what felt like an eternity, the glove-like force over his shaft stopped, lips kissing the top of his knot, which still hadn't popped free from his sheath. That was going to be extremely frustrating if that didn't come out. Maybe even painful. His shaft pulsed with each beat of his heart, a small bit of pre slipping into the tunnel on the other side. It wasn't moving, just sitting there, rippling around his shaft. If it was Miss Devereaux, then she certainly knew how to drag things out. The Vulpine was getting used to the sensations, and they were having less effect on making his cock grow by the time the next thing changed. Not nearly as slowly as it descended, the body on the other side started to rise again. The body on the other side started to rise up again. Once it reached the aching tip of his cock, it descended again. Each repetition set up a rhythm, not so slow that the fox would get bored, but not so fast that he would reach his peak too quickly. The strangest part of the whole ordeal was that Keat was just standing there, having someone essentially fuck themselves on his cock, and he didn't even have to move. His brain just couldn't quite process it, and that helped keep him a little detached from the actions. He didn't want that, though. So he turned around, put his forelimbs up on the couch, resting his chest against the soft fabric. Scooting his haunches closer to the furniture, he lined himself up like he was the one in control here and started working his hips in a similar rhythm to the attention he was getting. Repositioning himself helped more than he realized, and within the span of a few minutes, his cock was filled out, reaching a respectable enough size for a fox of his dimensions. All except his knot, that is, which thankfully remained shrunken enough while still trapped inside his sheath. The body on the other side started to speed up now that his shaft was plumbing their depths with its full length and girth. Each push backwards pushed their lips against his sheath, helping push it back against the knot. With one of these pushes, the furry flesh slipped over his knot and snapped down against his shaft on the other side. He let out a happy sort of yip and tried to thrust, but the body on the other side continued its paced assault. He muttered a few more curses, biting his paw slightly to keep from becoming too frustrated, letting the other end control the situation. He tried not to think of what a fool he'd look like if someone came in and saw him, but it was kind of hard not to when he opened his eyes and saw the chase beneath him. This was just ridiculous. A few more thrusts from the other end, and they started to get greedy. 
their lips spreading against knot, starting to slide over it. The fox nosed over a pillow and sank his teeth into it, still trying to thrust and getting nowhere. He could swear he could hear someone panting and moaning as his body tried desperately to tie with the sex on the other side, but it was just his mind playing tricks. With a few more thrusts from the other end, he felt his knot slip into the widest point, his teeth sinking into the pillow in a sort of mating bite. He slammed his hips forward, but the sex on the other side pulled up, not taking it just yet, causing the tie to fail. Keat growled in frustration, slamming his hips against the couch as he tried desperately to do something, anything to improve his situation. As if reading his mind, the body on the other side finally gave in to his silent demands and lifted almost fully off his cock. It held there for an agonizing several heartbeats before it slammed back down against his crotch. This time, there was no stopping the force of the thrust from the other end, and his knot stretched the silky lips impossibly wide for a brief moment before sliding over the turgid flesh and snapping shut on the other side. He felt the weight of another body pressed up against his crotch, fully anchored to his shaft. He let out a happy bark, releasing the pillow as he finally felt what he'd been waiting for since the lips first touched his flesh. His cock shivered as his knot swelled up, sucking itself just a bit deeper into the body attached to his pants. He could feel a sort of chamber inside their body clamping down against his cock and remembered that they were likely a canid. Their own body was responding just the same as his to having a knot in it and swelling to complete the tie. Rocking his hips a few times, he tried to pull back on the knot, wanting to feel the lips clench at his body, keeping him in it. He needed just another thrust or two, and it was obvious whoever was on the other side hadn't hit their peak yet either. Canids could certainly come without being tied, but this was way more pleasurable. And for Keat, he always tried to wait until the tie before giving some short, rapid thrust to finish the deed. This time was no exception. But they weren't moving. He could feel their body clenching every so often around him, on the edge of milking all the seed from his body, but it wasn't. He let out a confused sort of whine, trying to move his hips and shift his cock around, but it wasn't working. And now that he was tied with this person, he wanted so desperately to empty his seed into their body. It seemed that the canid on the other side was going to tease him, and herself even more. They had been doing it the whole time, so why stop now? The fox rocked side to side, still trying to do something to affect the climax, but it was all hopeless. Even if he were to hop in a carriage now, he'd have to put it with someone keeping him on edge for several hours. And that was even if Violet had done this. She may have loaned him out to one of her friends, and who knows where they lived. As all of this was going through his head, the fox didn't catch the next sensation that snuck up on him, quite literally. There wasn't much that could make this particular situation worse in his mind, until that same weighted pressure came on him again. 
this time from behind. When he did notice, the next change was when he felt a pointed tip slip into the crack of his ass and press gently against his pucker. This caused him to yelp in a startled fashion and look over his shoulder like there would be someone there. He had clasped the pants up over his tail, which left his rump just as exposed as his cock and balls were. Fortunately, it seemed that whoever the prick belonged to had properly lubed themselves up. He wasn't sure with what, but at least the pointed tip slipped into his body easily. And they were being gentle too. Keat hadn't really raised his tail for anyone except one or two special occasions. So his body was effectively virgin. Fortunately, whoever was on the giving end was gentle and took it slowly. They waited for his body to relax and then slipped more of themselves into his hot insides, spreading him open with a pleasurable sort of burn. The head of the shaft was tapered, similar to his own, but a bit wider. Another canid. That certainly answered who was doing this. The Devereaux had decided to both have a go at him. He turned them down once before, and they likely had plotted this for the past several months. As he considered this, more of the shaft slipped into his body, and he could feel the female on the other end shifting as well as they tugged on his knot, reminding him that he was still captive there as well. However they were doing this, they were obviously close to each other, as he could feel one shift and then the other responding. He grunted with a continued pressure as the shaft pressed into his insides, long and slender, which worked out well for the fox that was a beginner at anal. Pressure started to build up in his rump, and just about when he felt like they wouldn't be able to press any deeper, he felt a thump against his backside. Oh, it's not, the fox muttered to himself. He tried to wriggle his rump back at the male mounting him, wanting to try and stretch himself out before he was forced to take it. Just like himself, the other coyote would surely tie him, and maybe, just maybe, that'd help get him to climax. He didn't care as much for the bliss brought out by a prostate massage. It felt kind of empty to him compared to a vixen clamped around his knot. But, at this point, he'd take whatever he could get. The shaft pressed firmly against his rump, rocking that knot back and forth against his anus, stretching it slowly without withdrawing. The coyote really did know how to make this easy. How many times had he snuck up on his wife's lover as they were tied and done this to them? He set up a rhythm all his own, pressing his shaft into the fox's body, stretching him briefly for a few moments before pulling back slightly and repeating. It wasn't giving him as much pleasure as much as a slight burn in his rump, but it was something. The female coyote on the other side kept up her end of the blissful torture by occasionally shivering and clamping herself around his knot. A small tug here or there, or a hand that would cup his balls and pull on them gently. He wasn't really on edge constantly, but he kept rising and falling as both coyotes worked on him. Once the fox's body had almost sucked the other canids not inside, things changed. This change Keat was happy to feel come about, as it meant he wasn't just a plaything anymore. 
The coyote on his back pulled most of his shaft out and then slammed hard into his rump. It didn't translate into any motion on his side, but the firm nudge against his prostate as the pointed shaft slipped into him caused him to yelp. Unlike the other times, he felt the female coyote tied to his own knot jerk forward as if she had been the one to feel the force of the thrust. This caused the fox to moan, his eyes screwing shut as he was assaulted with pleasure from both ends. Behind him, the coyote started to hump quickly into his body, nearly half of the cock sliding from the fox's rump and then quickly slamming back in, the knot stretching his ass wide but not sinking quite yet. Each thrust had the other end of his body experiencing more of the same pleasure, his knot being tugged on and squeezed by the coyote's partner. Keat's tongue dangled out of his muzzle as he started to pant, feeling his pleasure starting to rise, his own cock getting rigid again. His knot felt like it was inflating as well, even though it hadn't shrunk any after being captured by the coyote. Or perhaps she was squeezing him harder. He couldn't tell, but he was happy to finally get attention again. The mating kept up at the same pace, only occasionally faltering as the coyote behind him almost tied before he was ready to. It hadn't even been two minutes before it changed again, feeling the angle of the coyote's thrust rise slightly, as if he had climbed a bit further up on his back. Hiking his own tail up in response, Keat willingly pressed his rump back into the now quicker thrust, or would have if it had any effect on the motions. Now pounding against his ass, the coyote sped up, pushing his knot harder and harder against the fox. He hadn't taken a knot back there before, at least not a live one, and the sensation was overwhelming. His own body was locked solidly with the creature in front of him, and it started to bounce up and down on his shaft as well. To say that the magician was enjoying himself would have been a complete understatement. He was even wondering how he had turned this down before. Panting for breath, Keat let his body just react as it wanted to, his mind blanking out and instincts kicking in. He looked totally silly, thrusting into the air, forepaws resting on furniture, tail hiked up over his back, and he was even still fully clothed. Fortunately for him, the door was locked. It was late, and he was alone, so no one was going to see it. Then, without any warning, the thrusting on his back stopped, and he felt a firm pressure starting to spread his canal open. It wasn't the slow stretch like before, but an insistent one, as the knot forced its way into his small body. He let out a whimper as he felt it stretch him wider than ever before, and then a loud bark as he felt his ass close around the bulb. The coyote's cock grew larger than it had been, stretching deeper into his body and the knot thickening out a considerable amount. There was no way he was getting that in once this had happened, and there was certainly no way it was coming out for a long time either. Compared to the bipedal coyote, the magician was a good bit smaller. Right as that happened, he also felt the female milking his cock do similarly to the one behind him. 
Tugging on the knot trapped in her body, she bounced up and down, stretching her folds and pulling on that sensitive shaft inside. It didn't take long for her body to start quivering around his shaft, her tunnel getting quite a bit wetter as she reached her peak. Within two breaths of female orgasming, the male coyote also thrust as deeply as he could, forcing his knot on his shaft just that much deeper into the fox. This was enough to finally send Keat toppling over his own edge as well, his body slamming his hips forward against the chase like it had helped the situation. Copious amounts of virile fox seed erupted from his shaft, spewing deep into the waiting coyote cunt attached to him and behind him. He could feel the same liquid warmth seeping through his bowels, the other canid still thrusting weakly as his own orgasm slammed into him. If the mage's mind had been blank before, it was empty now, as pure, sexual bliss washed over him. He had never had this sort of thing happen to him before, and he was sure nothing else would ever come close to this again. So he relished in the sensations as his balls churned and emptied their contents, his body humping gently as the sensations dragged on for what seemed like hours. As with all good things, the high of his orgasm finally ended and he started to drift back into his own body. He felt drained and stuffed at the same time. The continuous warmth that was flooding his bowels would likely continue on for at least another 20 minutes, if not more. Each jet of fluid causing the coyotes not to swell slightly, pressing on his prostate and causing his own cock to pulse more seed into the waiting bitch beneath him. <sighs> oh, too much. Keat muttered to himself, lowering his head. He started resting on his forepaws, wanting to push back against the knot in his ass, just to feel the tug on his own knot tied to another canid. Once his breathing stabilized after a few minutes, he felt the next strange sensation. He was honestly hoping he could just bask in the afterglow, but it seemed his patrons had one more trick to provide him with this evening. At first, it felt like he was turning around to properly tie his conquest, but the feeling also echoed in his rump as well, as if the coyote was doing the same thing at the same time. He was positive he wasn't moving, so the sensation caused his mind to backflip. But if he focused just enough through the post-orgasmic haze, that was precisely what was happening. His own cock was rotating in the coyote beneath him. The one stuffed into his rump stayed where it was while he moved out of the way. After it settled again, he could feel twin pressures tugging at his body, one pulling on his cock from the back of the knot, rocking gently against it every so often, and the other pulling against his sphincter, putting a great deal of pressure on his prostate. He was positive with the way they were using his body that he couldn't get free of the coyote beneath him until the knot in his ass finally left. For Keat, this was his favorite part of sex, and he didn't mind at all. His body was doing what it felt natural to do, and that was seed the cunt beneath him. All the small tugs and pressure on his knot was pure bliss. Bliss. 
and he would stay like that forever if the opportunity presented itself. Minutes passed for the fox, and he just sat there, panting on the edge of the couch. He could have gotten up and walked around if he wanted to, but this just felt right to him. At about 30 minutes in, he felt the coyote pull sharply on the knot embedded in his rump. He didn't quite want to give it up, but he was insistent as he started to stretch the fox out again. It was probably that he was too small for that large of a cock, muscles putting constant pressure on it even when relaxed, but it had fit anyway, and now it needed to come out with help, or it'd be there for a while. Its owner probably had things to do. With a bit of a groan, Keith tried to relax his rump, feeling the knot start to stretch him again. With a wet sort of sucking feeling, the knot spread him open and then slipped out with a pop. He gasped at the feeling as cool air rushed into his gaping hole. He could feel seed slipping down the back of his sack, dribbling lightly from the opening. It wasn't nearly as much as he thought there would be. Moments later, he could feel the female coyote starting to pull back against his cock, causing it to spurt a few more bursts of seed into her. His knot had managed to shrink a little, but the coyote pulling out of his tail hole had it starting to grow again. Rather than wait, Miss Devereaux decided to escape the fox and pull firmly against the tie. It held on with a fierce grip, a combination of her own body and his not wanting to separate. She relaxed for a moment and then repeated the tug. This time, he felt her consciously relax her muscles, his knot spreading them open wide. It was a long, slow tug, but finally his shaft slipped from her folds, spurting a few remaining drops of his seed out. It felt cold, all exposed like this, but there wasn't much he could do. Politeness seemed to be common in high society, and while Violet was pulling herself free of her fox suitor, the male had fetched a warm washcloth. He felt the fabric slip between his rump cheeks, wiping him clean as he pulled the material down to his balls, giving them a soft massage to clean them off and perhaps, as Keith imagined, to admire them. The paw pulled away, leaving him feeling a little fresher. Just the same as his behind, another fresh cloth returned and he felt it brush over his shaft gently, washing it clean of all the coyote's juices. It was gentle as it probed behind his receding knot, avoiding the stimulation that would cause it to grow again. There was even a soft brushing around the opening to his sheath. The fabric pulled away, but a paw remained. It grasped at his sheath and gently slipped it over his knot. That took an extra tug or two, the flesh not having gotten quite soft enough to make it easy. It then slipped the rest of his red shaft back into its furry white home. The tip still poked out from within, the black ring at the tip, and his knot was still visible in his fur, but he was certainly more presentable now. A brief grope to his balls and a soft pinch to his rump was the last sensations he felt from his patrons. It took him a moment of just waiting there patiently to realize they had finished with him. He reached a paw down into his pants and groped himself, letting out a soft moan as he squeezed at his sensitive shaft, grasping it just behind the knot. 
Holding the pants open, he pushed his nose into the waistband and sniffed. All he got was the scent of rose water and his own arousal. They had cleaned him well and practically left no trace of their fun beyond a rather fulfilled and an exhausted fox. Pulling his nose back, he caught the telltale sparkle of magic fading from the inside of the garment. It was a one-time use spell that had just faded away, likely triggered by the opening of the letter. He wouldn't need to worry about that happening again, at least not without another casting of the spell on the pants. And that wasn't about to happen anytime soon. He decided that he would send the Coyote couple tickets to his next show. He had a new trick to show off, and if he played the magical cards right, Violet might even teach him that portal spell. She had won a fortune for it, but perhaps there were other currencies he could pay in now that they were all more than friends. And with that, we've come to the end of A Magical Experience by Foxbird. We do hope that you've enjoyed this story, and if you would like to see more, check out Foxbird's So Furry and Fur Affinity pages. Links will be provided in the description of this episode. We'd also like to give a shout out to the members of our Patreon. In the top tier, we have Dimbles, a mysterious raccoon benefactor. Being in the top tier, you have no idea how big that is for me and the podcast. So a huge shout out to you. For the other tiers, Dream Merchant, Agador, and Glared, you guys are amazing as well. Each of you have been and continue to be instrumental to our success. And finally, everyone who has listened to any of our episodes, thank you. Each and every time someone listens to our work, it really does mean the most to myself, the authors of these stories, and the voice actors that bring the characters to life. At the end of January 2023, we hit 2,000 individual episode plays. However, in the month of February alone, that number has increased by almost 500. It really does blow my mind that by the end of this year, we could hit the 10,000 mark. Without each and every listener, we could not be as successful as we are. So once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Good night, and come again.